So welcome to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast, sponsored as always by Axis Communications and thanks to our supporting partners, 3X Logic, Mighty and Aura. Now, my guest this week is Hannah Wady. Hannah is Chief Executive for the Safer Business Network, a community interest company that brings together businesses and police and relevant stakeholders to promote safety and security through partnership working intelligence sharing and training. Now, she's grown the company from uh, a small group of venues working together uh, in Soho, which is part of London, to now the leading business crime reduction partnership across the whole UK, representing thousands of businesses across 34 town centres and two national projects. Now, originally studying criminology at university, I know that Hannah started her career in local government, leading key community projects around gangs, rough sleeping and vulnerable victims. However, I do know she credits moving to the new West End company, also part of London, for her catalyst and interest in business crime and its impact on our towns and city centre. So I think we are seeing a thread here. Hannah, welcome. Welcome. It's lovely to be here, Paul. Thank you for inviting me. So um, great to, to have you on as a guest this week on the podcast. But before we get going, I've got to ask you a question. Um, just before we came on, uh, air. We established that you are off to South Africa uh, in the near future. But how did you get into the business crime world? And go back further than that, young Hannah at school, what was the actual intended career? What was the interest? Yeah. So I used to um, I used to love watching Cracker, which was a program on the UK um, about murders and solving murders. Always found that very interesting. Loved John Griffin books. Um, so I was always interested in that crime angle. Um, came out of doing my A-levels, wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. So I did a bit of traveling, loved meeting people. And then when I got back, I thought, oh, what should I, what am I interested in? What do I like? So I went to Newcastle University and did criminology. And um, that got me into the social side of crime, fascinated. Why do people commit crime? What's their motivators? How can we change the culture so people commit less crime? Um, and then that led me into my career path, Paul. And so, I mean, I know you went through um, local government, but was that literally you saw an opportunity, a, a job was offered within a, a, a local government? You thought, I'll apply for that that's of interest and that was the path was it really quote unquote it really was yeah it really was so I'm from Brighton born and bred so I moved up to London when I was about 26 um and yes yeah, saw a job working for Lambeth Council in their newly established ASB team so antisocial behavior team applied for that and then worked up the ladder really and I absolutely love working for local government working with the different communities Lambeth is a diverse a vibrant a beautiful borough um, and stayed there for about eight years and worked my way up the ladder and then got offered this opportunity for the new West End company working in the West End. So Oxford Street, Regent Street, Bond Street, and then didn't really know much about business crime, if I'm being completely honest, um, but found some friends along the way who taught me the ropes. And now I find it absolutely fascinating, business crime, a crime often overlooked, business community often not considered. Um, when it comes to solutions with crime, yet there is so much opportunity, so much skill, so much knowledge there. Um, and I've just gone from strength to strength, really. And I guess, would it be fair to say, you know, Regent Street, Oxford Street, they're sort of you know, iconic shopping destinations for tourists as well as locals. 
an epicenter of, of crime? Uh, did, was it a focal point? So, you know, a, a challenging environment, I can imagine. It, it was a challenging environment. Um, what's challenging about it is the different people traveling in. As you've just said, vocal point for tourists, um, vocal point for all tourists, um, for transport hubs. So a lot of the offenders in the West End don't actually come from that area. So how do you take action against them? Um, they're often one hit wonders. So that's really difficult. Um, so we have an intelligence platform that we give to our members as part of their membership. And often the faces, they're just they're just one, one face, one face, one face. We don't tend to get that repeat offender that you might get in a more local town centre. So it was incredibly challenging. And obviously it's um, you know the pinnacle of London, isn't it? It's what people come to see, it's what people travel in for. We want to make it as um, attractive and as safe and as clean as possible. So, but it was a, it was a brilliant starting ground because it's got all those flagships and the flagships had their own security team. So I was able to learn from all those wonderful people um, at terms I'd, I'd never even heard of, if I'm being honest. <laughs> and tactics. I couldn't believe the tactics people used oh. to do business crime. It was fascinating. Yeah, probably the best place to learn. So fast forward to today, um, you know, Safer Business Network. How did you you know, what's the what's the background to that? And then maybe just, you know, explain a little bit about the organisation and, and what it does and who it does it for. So Safer Business Network, as you said in the introduction, was a small group of venues in Soho, which is in the um, our main sort of um, tourist attraction area venues around the West End. Um, they were having a big issue with robbery. So they're their customers were being robbed as they were either leaving their venues, the night nighttime economy. Um, and they all got together with a very proactive police officer and a very proactive council officer. And they just wanted to share, simple as this, share images um, of the offenders who they knew were repeat offenders. And they wanted to do this securely and they wanted to do this safely. So they introduced a intelligence platform, which was DISC, which um, many of people on this um, that are seeing this call will have heard of. Um, and they just, it simply started like that, 20 businesses. Well, everyone that works in business, everyone wants something that the other person's got, it's peering over the wall. So another area was like, oh, what are you doing? We've got a radio network, but we're not as joined up. Can we join? And it was about working smarter, isn't it really? Working smarter together, everybody sharing the same information. We know we've got traveling offenders. It makes the police life easier. And it really just grew from then. And then that very proactive police officer, he moved to Lambeth, which is a borough right next door to Westminster, and took the model with him. And then we we expanded to Lambeth, and then Mopac saw what we were doing, and um, they actually funded our third BCRP in Southwark. Um, and it's just sort of you know grown from there. Really, we've bucked the trend in in the terms of COVID and the fact that a lot of small businesses didn't make it. We're a community interest company. We were obviously very very concerned. But crime doesn't go away, Paul. So, and now the cost of living crisis. I've just had a really interesting conversation with someone about the cost of living crimes. You know, is that going to become a new thing that we have to look out for? So I'm keen to work with our retailers on that. Are they seeing shoplifting going up, um, theft going up? And is this a connection to the cost of living crisis? So that's where that came about. Um, I think it's just we're a tried and tested model. We've got all the processes in place. Everyone is very nervous about GDPR, and rightly so. Um, we have all our paperwork 
as well as disk we use Centrisys, which is another um, intelligence sharing platform. We offer all the training. So we've got a team of staff. There's now 16 of us that sit behind us. Yeah. Um, and they're all trained up on how to, you know, GDPR, how to offer crime prevention advice. I think, unfortunately, you know, we have to professionalize the way people share information. We have to almost professionalize business crime, the way intelligence and information is shared back to the police and vice versa. The police don't have the resources they used to have. Um, there's there's differing priorities and that's absolutely we understand that so we act as that middleman in between the business and the police we collate all the information from the business community we identify who are the most prolific and violent offenders and then we feed that back into the police so they can take action and arrest those top 10 offenders that are committing 90 percent of the crime and that's what we want to do we want to make police's life easier and we want to take those offenders away from those retailers and so those retailers, they feed that information about their prolific offenders and you go, so you're the, the people that identify the trends, if you like. So these 10 people are yeah. actually offend and then hand it to the police with a bow on top of it. Is that the... That the yeah, that's exactly it. So we know there's an offender in X retailer. Are they sharing that inf information with the next one or the next one? Or are we literally just deterring from one retailer without telling the other retailers and they're just bouncing down the street and committing crime after crime we have a radio network so the retailers can say we're just ejecting um joe blogs he's heading towards you up the road look out for him he's dressed like this um, and that happens fantastically in our town centers and then if there happens to be any um a lot of business improvement districts in the uk they pay for additional security on the street to support the police, support their members. If there happens to be a security team in the street, they can then look out for these offenders. Um, and we can just be deterring them and disrupting them. I love the power of hello. You know, what we want really is we just want to be going over and saying, how's your day? Oh, you don't, I don't think you're a 10. You look more like a 12 to me. It's disruption. Mm -hmm. And then we'll take those prolific offenders, the ones that have been targeting A, B, C and D, Maybe one of them has been violent. We know that um, abuse towards retailers has, has just gone up since COVID, which we feel really strongly about. And we'll put it in a nice evidence package, hand it to the police, and then the police can do what they're brilliant at, which is arresting offenders mm. and taking them to court. And in terms of the, the scope, I know that the number of town centres is increasing. How big's the scope as of today in terms of how big is your network? And then... What, what's the goal? How big is it going to get? Well, there are, we were having this discussion only today. Um, there are still pockets of London that I would argue don't have any formal network into their business community. And we would absolutely love to have a conversation with those areas. So if, if you're an area where you think, actually, I don't have links into my police or my local authority, um, or you're a local authority or a police force and thinking the same about your business community, please reach out. The business community are a fantastic asset. You know, they're part of your community. They, they are your eyes and your ears. They live on your high streets. They live in the nearby roads. Please include them. So the scope is endless. Um, we miss out on these little town centres, these little parades of shops. Um, they suffer just as much crime. Yeah. There's there's opportunities to expand into them. You know, we tend to focus on your traditional high street. We mustn't forget about these little, um, you know, rows of shops who perhaps are suffering in silence. Business crime reduction partnerships are up and down the UK. Um, they vary in size and they vary in expertise. 
So this should be a UK model. We work very closely with the National Business Crime Hub um, and we're members of the National Association of Business Crime Partnerships. Um, there is a standards board. So we're trying to raise the standards of business crime reduction partnerships. So, you know, a business, a retailer, A, knows what to expect up and down the country. We can't really be offering a different level of standard um, across the UK. So we would we always sit on these boards. We want to help these smaller business crime reduction partnerships to improve their standards. We're always here as a sounding board. Every day I'm discovering excellence across the country and we need to be sharing that more and more. So the scope, as I said, unfortunately, I don't think crime's going anywhere. Um, the scope is endless, but we just need more and more partners, more and more security teams to be working with us, if I'm being completely honest. To come on board. And that perhaps gives me uh, an indication. But I was going to say, you know, what on earth does your day to day look like? So, you know, Hannah sits down in the morning, opens the laptop. I mean, where where do you start? Is it getting more <laughs> security teams and partners in? Is it dealing with the day to day? I mean, where do you begin? Because, I mean, there's a lot of moving pieces in in the network. Yeah. So fundamentally, <laughs> we yeah we want to we want to work with retailers to identify their prolific offenders. So this morning I turned on my laptop. We're working with a group of retailers who have got a massive issue with steaming gangs. So for your audience, steaming gangs is where big groups of people run in, they rush into a retailer and they try and grab as much as possible. Incredibly intimidating, um, a level of violence, unfortunately, and then they run out. So we've got a group that are traveling around the um, southeast of London at the moment, and we're trying to collate the information that we've got along with the retailer. So, again, we can put it all together and present it back to the police. So there's that element. We at Safer Business Network, we are very um, we're very keen on upskilling. It's one of our big objectives. We want to upskill the business community. So at the moment, one of our big priorities is women's safety. So. We want to make sure every retailer, every nighttime economy venue knows how to look out for vulnerability, whether that's a female or a male. But um, so we're trying to upskill our retailers at the moment as what does vulnerability look like? How can you prevent it? How can you safeguard that person if they should become vulnerable? And what should you do with that information if it happens? So we have a training arm to our business crime partnership, which is quite unusual. Um, but there's definitely a demand for it. And I think we're well placed to offer that. So we do an awful lot of conflict management. As I said, we've been working with the Home Office and the Association of Convenience Stores um, because violence, unfortunately, and abuse has gone up in our retailers. What simple things can we do for our retailers to diffuse that situation? Putting your hands up, using a softer voice, swapping in and out. Um, so we do an awful lot of upskilling around that. So it's about sorting out those types of days. Um, and then you have you have all the all the police out there this morning. And I want to get this right. I came across the predatory offenders unit. Who knew they existed in the Met Police? I didn't. But they're another layer of police officers that businesses should be working with. They they um, you know there are offenders out there that the police need to see. And once again. There are often a thousand staff, SIA staff, on one given shopping centre or along Oxford Street. Imagine if we equipped them with the knowledge of who these offenders are. You've you've almost quadrupled your work from the police. It makes the police's life easier. They can feed it in in a secure manner. 
And then you've got all these eyes and ears, as I said, capable guardians out on the street looking out for these offenders that the police want to catch. It, it's, it's a no brainer in my eyes. I like that term, capable guardians. I think that sums it up perfectly. Um, so, I mean, a vast array of, of projects and challenges. Is there any that are kind of stand out at the minute? Is there anything top of the list in terms of, is it the training? Is it, you know, the predatory department? Yeah, what's, what's the number one project, if you like, that you're focusing on? right now i think it has to be women's safety paul i think because after the murder of sarah everard everyone will remember that no matter where you are um it really brought to the forefront women's safety in a public environment um we have now trained ten thousand staff and saa staff on our um welfare and vulnerability engagement training and that includes the ask for angela campaign which is a campaign where there's posters in um a public facing place where if you're feeling vulnerable, you can go up to the staff and you can say, I'm in a situation um, <clears throat> that I feel unsafe in. And the staff will have been trained on how to remove you discreetly from that situation. Um, we're incredibly proud of this piece of work. Um, we want to roll it out further. We're taking it outside London and going up and down the UK and more and more businesses are coming to us and asking for this training. And we now want to work to adapt it. So it is more relevant for retailers. It seems very um, nighttime economy focused, but retailers, especially late night retailers, have exactly the same part to play. And I think if we're all just looking out for each other a little bit more, spotting vulnerable people when they're out and about and know how to intervene in that situation, um, we're on a good path. Yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, yeah, more and more, you know, extended retail hours. The, the, yeah, the lines have blurred, haven't they, between the traditional nighttime pub, nightclub entertainment and, and retail because they overlap so much in terms of the hours. So, yeah, yeah I think, you know, you're right. It's, a, it's a worthwhile. Now, um, I just want to come on in a moment and, and I'm fascinated about how you influence and nudge along all these stakeholders to get them to, to do what you want. But uh, as always, we're just going to take a, a brief pause and hear from our sponsors, and then we'll be back in a moment. For every type of business, the power of a data-driven security video management system designed to give you total control anywhere, anytime, 3xLogic. So welcome back to this week's edition of the Retail Risk Podcast. I am, of course, still talking to Hannah Wady. Now, Hannah, um, amazing insight there before that little break about what uh, your doing but one thing that keeps occurring to me over and over again is you continue to appear to have success in bringing together retailers you know it must be shopping center owners police just a raft of stakeholders how on earth do you get all of these people is it to do what you want to do the right thing to to, yeah. to go in the right direction i mean what is your top tip so other than being a thoroughly nice person which only goes so far what have you learned because obviously all this time in in local government as well must have stood you in good set but how on earth do you influence all of these stakeholders to go on to the same path yeah it's a really brilliant question and it, and we're still doing that we're still influencing um as I said, I think it helps that we're a tried and tested model. We have got a lot of um, best practice behind us. 
Um, and I do think a tip is make sure you capture that, spend some time to capturing that best practice. You know, what, what retailers did you work with? What police forces did you work with? What were you trying to solve? How much money did you save people? What was the confidence levels afterwards? We often do lots of this work in partnership, yet we don't ever evaluate it. So I'm a big one for evaluation. How do you know when something was good? So I, I spend an awful lot of time drumming into my team. Well, well, so what? What was the impact? How do you know you were a success? So we've got a, a swathe of um, best practice behind us, which you can pull out depending on who you're talking to. And then I guess it's persistence. You know, I have a team of staff who are persistent. Anyone who's on the call that's either a police officer or um, a business owner, you're very, very busy. So I make my staff go back in, go back in again. You know, go back in at a different time of the day, maybe going with a different angle, you know, maybe going with a different offering. We offer crime prevention advice for our business. Maybe maybe there was an aggressive beggar outside. Maybe go in and ask them about that. Maybe ask them what the lighting's about. Try and find something that captures their imagination and then run with that. Because once you're in and once they trust you, the relationship is there. Um, so that's very delivery and operational. It's the same with the police. You know, I, I've been known in my days at Lambeth to just go and hang out in police stations with donuts. And they'd be like, why are you here, <laughs> Hannah? And I'm like, I'm just listening to your conversation because there will be something that I can help with. And then once you found that gold, golden nugget, they're like, oh, we'll, we'll call Hannah again. So persistent, be persistent. Um, and then I think finally, you know, it's about going into that head office as much as I, you know, I wish it was sort of that ground level, but we go in up and down. We try and do a two pronged attack. So we'll go in and we'll speak to the people on the door, the people behind the till. Um, but we're also try and find the heads of these retailers and try and strategically sell it to them that way. Same with the police. We try and, you know, command a level as well as that officer level on the ground and then hope that somewhere along the line they speak to one another and the, it, you know, the utopia is formed. <laughs> and, and are they, I mean, like I say, I was looking at your CV and you've sort of continued to progress and operate at the, at the top of your industry, if you like, with the, you know, all the various elements and stakeholders. You know, you, I mean, you touched on persistence. Is that, you know, in your senior position, is that is that the best quality you think? Is it donuts? Uh, is that is that the quality? What, 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 what's the thing that you think made you be successful? I think it's always um, leaning into the table, trying to always, you know, change with the times. Business crime has changed a lot. Crime has changed a lot since I started, you know, 16 years ago. And I think it's it's being, it's adapting to what the priorities are. So we always say in Safer Business Network, we try and mirror the priorities of the police. So hence women's safety, violence, because the chances are, they are also the priorities of the business crime. We'll never lose sight of that shoplifter, that low level nuisance. But, you know, we, we always survey, if we ever go into a new area, we survey them and they always come back with violence. Violence is a big issue for us. You know, that's about putting people's staff at risk. So I think the reason we are so successful at Safer Business Network is because we've adapted. We're all, we're very organic. We're not, we're not tied up in red tape. Um, depending on who I meet on any day could depend on what our priorities are the very next day. Um, I'm an incredibly energetic person um, and I like to make sure I've sort of got at least one little finger in most things. Um, and I just think it's about meeting new people. You never know what that 
what someone might tell you. And then that could just trigger a whole new priority that you weren't even aware of. Um, one of our retailers reached out to us last year, just happened to say they thought that shoplifters were slightly changing. They were getting younger. They seemed more vulnerable. They were coming with more um, more money on them. And was that something? And, you know, this just happened to be a sort of, you know, chat over a coffee. That led us to working with the Children's Society on their Look Closer campaign, which is all about county lines and vulnerability and child exploitation. That's where it can lead from. So, you know, what I would say to um, retailers is please reach out to your partnerships, reach out to your police forces, um, because they might have the ideas. And if they don't, tell them what you would like them to focus on, because they should be doing it for you. Yes, an interesting point, isn't it, about, you know, tell people what you want. You know, sometimes, you know, that's just the starting point. That doesn't cost anything. I, I often go on in the UK and around the world, other places we have police and crime commissioners, and it always amazes me that people don't know who their local police and, police and crime commissioners, but they set the policing, uh, you know, guidelines and focus areas within police forces around the UK. And if you're not lobbying those people, then, exactly. you know, how yeah. do you... Or, quite frankly, I think with your tenacious ability, I'd be telling you to go and lobby. You know, you want to be lobbying on, you know, a group of retailers' behalf. So, again, the pincer, yeah. pincer movement. Yeah, exactly. Um, if they don't, if the police, if you don't tell the police, how are they supposed to know? Um, and absolutely, be part of the conversation. We work very siloed. Um, and that's fine. I understand that people are very busy. Resources have been cut. Resources have to be used in a different way. But actually, the beauty of BCR, business crime partnerships and business improvement districts is that they, they're here to work on your behalf. So use them. Um, and if they need some upskilling, because I, you know, I completely understand a lot of business improvement districts are one, two, three man bands. But, you know, we have a network. There is a network out there, um, whether it be through the National Association of Business Crime Partnerships or British Bids or whatever other trade bodies are out there. We have to be sharing this best practice so we're not wasting the resources that we do have. Yes, I mean, I've been in retail for sadly well over 30 years and, and budgets have always been cut all the way through the time. So uh, regardless of what's going on with the economy, there's always always pressures. So look, a question for you, you know, I mean, you really are at the coalface. You know, you sort of alluded that you know, business crime's not going anywhere. But how do you see the future of, you know, UK retail and the challenges retailers are are facing you know you're getting a lot of data in talking to a lot of people what's the what's the the feedback the vibe that people are giving you at the moment are they concerned or you know is there more challenges coming over the over the horizon what do you think yeah gdpr has been a huge challenge for us i think you know again my plea to everybody was we have to be a little bit braver sharing information you probably hear this all the time paul mm. if we are going to be smarter in the way we tackle business crime going forward we have to share data, we have to share images and information on those low level, high volume crime that impacts our retailers so very much. If there is gonna be a cost of living crime, we probably are gonna see shoplifting um, and petty theft go up. Um, what we don't want, I guess, is those, career, those criminals to become career criminals. Mm. Let's try and you know help them, put them into any support that we do. We always work with local authorities and police to refer people into support. Um, homelessness and begging are massive in our town centres. 
we're likely to see an increase in that potentially going forward, which impacts the way people feel about a look and, the look and feel of a town centre. And if you haven't got a welcoming town centre, potentially people are just going to shop online. So I do think perhaps we've got a rough couple of years ahead of us where um, there may be people committing crime that would never have dreamed of committing crime. And that's a massive strain on these retailers that are already feeling the pinch after COVID and now we've got the cost of living crisis. So I really feel for them. Um, but what I would say is utilize what you have. A lot of these retailers are part of business improvement districts, part of business crime reduction partnerships. Please make sure you're getting value for money out of those partnerships. I feel really strongly about this. You pay into them, make sure you're getting what you deserve back. So before you consider maybe you know changing your mind about them, make sure they're giving you the standards um, of service that you absolutely deserve. Yeah, and I think you're right. It's, um, you know, there is new threats and new challenges as well as opportunities at the minute. And, uh, you know, it, it certainly needs some planning, some thought and some collaboration. So um, I wish you every continued success on your uh, mission to, uh, to, to raise the awareness, at least, if not quite stamp out business crime. But for now, Hannah, absolute pleasure as always thank you so much indeed and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you at a physical event or uh, an online or lobbying or just being generally vocal about business crime in the near future but for now Hannah thank you very much indeed thank you very much Paul take care